Welcome to C-Suite Radio. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Idly hey! Welcome to another episode of The Brett Allen Show. Prepare to be astonished! A pop culture podcast. Join Brett Weekly as he interviews your favorite celebrities from film, <gasps> oh, television, I'm back in business, baby. comedy, and much more. Inconceivable! Plus, you never know who will stop by. Dude, we are so going to party. Now, here's your host, Brett Allen. Mark Norman, welcome into the podcast. It's great to have you here today. Hey, hey, good to be here. Great. I love the beams. Beams yeah. on a roof or a ceiling. Game yeah, changer. It's great. Um, Greg Fitzsimmons, it's funny, said the same thing. He goes, it's kind of like this, you know, artsy exposed beams. It's a, it was a tough shed that was converted into a living space slash studio. So, ah. yeah, I like it. Um, what kind of shed? Well, t- it was a tough shed. So what's that a, mean? A tough shed, like a storage unit where you put in like lawnmowers or yeah, any kind of equipment. And then my landlord, she converted it into a living space. So there's a loft up above and there's a TV up there. And um, it's great. You know, for for Northern California, it's not too bad. <laughs> yeah, you're like the Fonz. In- Good for you. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Hey, hey. Um, eight very, eight people will get that reference. I know, right? <laughs> anybody over, let's see, I'm 47. So anybody over like a certain age will probably, or under a certain age, will probably hear that and go, I don't know who that is. But, yeah, so. yeah. He was a Jewish guy who played an Italian greaser about the 50s in the 70s. Boy, that is a, <laughs> that is a mouthful. It is. Well, it's funny that you mentioned that because I had Marion Ross on the show like a while ago and she had a lot of interesting stories about him not to get completely sidetracked here but yeah she said kind of the same thing you know like when he started out on that show he it wasn't well received at first because of Mm. those things that you just said so yeah it's um it's interesting um Uh uh-huh wow yeah yeah. henry wrinkler i hear the nicest guy in hollywood that's what they say. We've tried getting him on the show, but he's like, we've had yeses and then he just gets busy and he doesn't do a lot of press what? these days. You're well, shooting for Winkler? Man, that's impressive. Well, we had a yes for him and then Disney came along and said, we need you to do this. And then, of course, obviously, they have way more juice than we do. So <laughs> they. Yeah. Uh, um well, good for you for shooting for the stars. I mean, he's he's huge. For those of you who don't know, he's in a ton of movies. He was on Arrested Development for a while. I think he was in the movie Waterboy. Scream. He was in one of the Scream movies. Just oh, was he? He played the principal. Yeah. Oh, look at that. Well, you know, I have to tell you, like, that's one of the things about this show is that we, I mean, we like to get the best people. We have you, clearly, and other people. And why not? I mean, the worst that anybody could say would be a no. So there's no heart in asking, right? 
Yeah, um, but a no can be tough. I mean, that's our N word. Yeah, that is. Yes, I've heard. <laughs> I've heard no plenty of times. Trust me. Sorry, I was Same. a little slow on the uptake there. But, you know, it's it's interesting because like it's surprising, though, when you ask for people, you just never know what the answer is going to be. Especially sure. when you start going for bigger names. But oh, um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, it's it it's what I think kind of adds to the adrenaline rush of doing this type of thing is just asking for people and, and getting to talk to cool folks. Oh, um, yeah. So I want to start out with the idea. I mean, you've been doing comedy since and please correct me if I'm wrong. 2006, right? Is when Nay, you nailed it. Rough start. So what were you doing before that? And what was it that kind of interested you in being a stand up or a comedian? Oh, I got to tell you, I was not doing much. I was doing a lot of boozing, a lot of partying, a lot of wasting time, a lot of, you know, that pondering when you're kind of 21, 22, like, should I be a UPS guy? Maybe I could be a, an ad man. You know, I'd be pretty good at ads, like uh, got milk and stuff. And then you're sitting around going, eh, maybe I'll be a waiter, like a really nice restaurant. I'll make that my career and I'll have plenty of time to travel. You know, you, you have all these retarded thoughts and uh, I tried comedy just because I always loved it and it just clicked. So I was a mess. I mean, I got failed out of three colleges. I lived in a house with five guys, beer pong, poker, hot tub, the whole thing. So, uh, yeah, I thank God for comedy. That's I think that's a big reason why I go so hard at it is because I appreciate that it pulled me out of this rut. Yeah. And I have to say, like the average lifespan of somebody starting to really kind of being on their own two feet, it can be a long span of years, but you seem to have gotten there quite quickly. And I think that's because of your work ethic from my perspective. Oh, thanks. I mean, Hey, you know, we're talking 15 years ish. So it wasn't overnight there, sloppy jalopy, but we got here. Yeah. Yeah. I would say so. So at what point did you kind of realize that you, this was something that you were going to be doing for a very long time where you kind of realized, okay, I can quit the day job and start chasing, stop chasing all of these other things and really just focus on comedy. Well, almost like a sad single virgin, you know, he, a virgin will just meet a woman and fall in love. Be like, this is the one I'll never meet another woman again. She's willing to have sex with me. I'm going all in. And I feel like comedy was that. It was just like, I realize this is a long shot. I realize it's a one in a million to make it as a comedian. But what else am I doing? And me going towards this is still better than, you know, uh, working in a cubicle and then maybe getting a general manager and then you get your benefits and then you get moved out, whatever the hell that that whole rat race is. So just becoming a shitty comedian was still better than not not doing comedy and doing some nine to five. So I said, ah, screw it. I'll go for it. And that's one of the nice things about having parents who are kind of like laissez faire. They're like, yeah, whatever, go for it. Whatever. If it makes you happy, you know? And uh, so I moved to New York and just hit it hard. Yeah. And I understand is New York a little bit easier. Well, I don't want to use the term easy because what you do is not easy, but as far as starting out, would you have rather started out there versus like LA and tried to go that route as far as like the comedy store and that whole path that some other comedians take? Like, is there, is it a bigger pool there to be able to perform more places to go to do the open mics? 
because I see a lot of these younger comics who are doing like eight or nine sets like in a night. It's crazy. I didn't even realize. I knew there were a lot of places there, but I didn't realize there were that many places where you could go literally and do five yeah. minutes, 10 minutes. Yeah, no, New York was the, I went to film school years before that because I was like, maybe I'll be a filmmaker, maybe Woody Allen. And aside from the uh, Asian girls, I felt like, ah, this isn't for me. It's too collaborative. I want to just, you know, it's too much baggage with, you got to get the actors and the grips and the cameras and the lighting and the editing. So that wasn't it for me, but I just still love New York. I love the subway. I love the grit. I love the weather i love the buildings the history so uh i knew la la to me is just silly like i don't live there so i don't want to shit on it too much because i know that's cliche but i don't know it's it's beaches and sunshine and weed and who's getting anything done in la you know it's it's <laughs> volleyball in a swimsuit yeah, and a convertible and a palm tree <laughs> so new york feels more like a city to me la feels like sure. an escape which and look, I'm a lazy queef. If you if if I'm on a treadmill and it's not on, I won't use it. And I, I feel like New York is a treadmill that's on. So you gotta run. And I need that in my life because I'm such a douche. So I think uh <laughs> I think you gotta go to New York. And it's just you always should live in New York once. Yeah. I mean, that I did, again another talk about cliche saying, but you know, they say if you can make it there and do something that you can do it anywhere. And I really think that's true because mm. a lot of people go there to either for theater or for comedy and either you're going to make it or you're not. I mean, like yeah. in LA, I mean, so I'm in Northern California and most of my listeners know that, but like even Southern California, even though it's like a seven hour drive, it's, it is an escape. Like I don't go there unless I'm going for an interview or something like that. But past that, you know, California yeah. is just a lot different. I've been to New York several times in the past and it just it does have a special energy about it. Oh, and, yeah. You know, especially your clubs there, like the cellar or any of those places where people like yourself hang out and do your work. It's just different. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like it doesn't it's just got a different vibe. I guess you have to. Be I agree there to, to, to understand it. Yeah, I mean, I love San Francisco and, and all that. L.A., it's great. But, uh, yeah, it just feels too relaxed. It's like slipping into a hot tub. And the more I slip in, the more I just want to go, ah, screw it. I'll be a mailman. You know, I'll do opiate, old opiates all day. But New York is like got that grind. And my friend put it well. He said, living in New York is like living your life on the difficult, the hardest difficulty level of a video game. And yeah, it's harder and it's more painful and you fail more. But when you beat it, it feels better. I would say, and please let me know your thought. It probably has made you even a better comedian because, oh, yeah, of, because of the fact that you have to really fight. Like, it's not just something that can be handed to you. Um, yeah, you yeah. And the competition. Yeah, it's crazy. I mean, your business of comedy is competitive anyway but especially in new york because that's where all of the greats i think are from most of them yes agreed agreed i mean even the probably the some of the best are from boston and chicago but they had to go through new york yeah yeah and i mean getting started in the 2000s was a good time because the comedy i, I not the comedy boom but it was just kind of like catching on again and becoming more and more popular yeah, a lot of people were going to L.A. because that's where they felt like the spot was to go like they did before in the 80s. Yeah. And then it's like, well, what about New York or even Boston? You know, 
where people get started there. That's, but I think the key is just get started in your local city first, right? It would probably yes. be the best advice. Well, LA has exposure. Like the industry is there. Hollywood is there. Film is there. TV is there. But I don't know if they have the grind. And then Boston yeah. has the grind, but they don't have the exposure. And I think New York is the is the perfect meeting of both. You got you still have TV and movies, but you also have eleven or twelve comedy clubs, bar shows, theaters, all this other stuff. So I don't know. New York was a was a easy guess. Like I just I knew that was the one immediately. L.A. You go to be a celebrity. I feel like New York. You earn the celebrity. Right. Yeah, All right, there no, we no. got it out. No, 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 it's true. <laughs> um, I worry I'm, we're boring people. No, no, not at all. People, my audience loves this. It's super fascinating because you're in a world that like most people aren't exposed to. Like, and if it wasn't mm. for the venue of a podcast, we probably wouldn't be having this conversation. But yeah, I would agree. Like, yeah, LA has got the exposure. It was interesting. I had... uh Sean Patton on recently and he said oh, very I love similar. that guy yeah he said a lot of very nice things about you um <laughs> and uh, uh, in fact like you then. kind of encouraged his career a little bit I think he was sharing a story about what? a joke that he was telling and he felt like it had bombed and you guys were hanging out at a table at the comedy cellar and you asked him why didn't you do this joke about xyz and he's like well it sucks and you're like no it doesn't suck it's great just because you're not getting laughs doesn't mean it's not a good joke. Yeah. And that's uh, true. He said something like, you know, you can go to LA and go to all these places, but that's where all of the, you know, whether it's television people or promoters or whatever. So, it, you know, if you go there and you suck the first time, that's how people are going to remember you. And then it's mm. like, well, now you're trying to get these deals and do all this stuff. And yep. it doesn't work well for you because they have this idea of you they can't really erase. But if you're in New York and you're going to, you know, the village to perform or wherever in the hugest city in the world, you can go places and really just kind of grind it out. And, and it, although it may not necessarily matter in the short term, at least you're perfecting your craft. Here, here. There you go. I agree. And, and if you really care about the craft, as pretentious as that sounds, you want to get as good as you can at it. And hopefully you, you get famous because you're so good at it, not because you're in the right place at the right time or have the right look or whatever the hell. Yeah. And in, and I think your style is very unique in the sense of how you, it's point of view, but also there's a lot of comparison and things like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. And even in this conversation, I'm picking that up, which I think it oh. kind of adds difference. It kind of separates you from, the rest of the pack as far as like the typical, you know, get up there, premise, get a few laughs, punchline. Oh, hey, I'll take it. Well, it's true. I mean, because I think in your last special out to lunch back in 2020, you that was really where we got a full picture of kind of what you do in your comedy. When when you're doing this, what is your goal, Mark? Is it to get the special? Is it to get better? I mean, what is your mindset when you're you know, I'm very curious because for everybody, it's different. Yeah, I think for every comic, it, it is different. For me, it's this deep need to be understood. I feel like no one got me for the first 25 years of my life. And uh, that's why I do so many comparisons, because it's a great way to show people what you mean. Right. You know, if you tell them, they go, oh, yeah, yeah. But if you go, you know, it's like this 
or this to get whatever a comparison is. They go, oh, I see. And I feel like that's a big reason why I do it. Because I don't know if people are ex- getting exactly what I'm trying to say, but comparison is a great way or an analogy. Right. But uh, yeah, I think the, the goal is, look, life is meaningless. We're all going to die one day. There is no God. We're going to be worm food. The key to life is the journey, all that shit. I sound like I'm in an AA meeting, but it's pushing that (laughs) boulder up a hill. Sisyphus or syphilis, whichever one I have, it's just pushing that boulder up a hill. And then once you get it up there, then you you know how a lot of these old guys, they stop working and then just croak. Right. You got to have a purpose. You got to have a meaning. So I think building a new hour for a comedian is that, that meaning that, and then you want the first, the second hour to be better than the first and the third to be better than the second. So it's just about building and getting new stuff and creating things that aren't there. It's pretty great. I think that's um, why people have kids. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I have just one, but yeah, I mean, I get that. <laughs> it's a very funny. There's a purpose that you can't die. You got to k- take care of the kid. You got to raise the kid. Yeah. Feed I the mean, kid. and I, I got a late start. He's just turned seven this past weekend. So. Ooh. For me, yeah, I mean, it motivates me because, you know, after my my marriage ended, like if I didn't have a kid, I I wouldn't still be in California. I would have moved back to home. So home is where New Mexico, Albuquerque, New Mexico. Yeah. Yeah. So it it just that it's the thing that motivates you. Right. And keeps you going. Now, a lot of times the path is like you start doing open mics and then you get to you know, maybe you get picked up by somebody else and you travel and you open for them. You do the clubs and then the theaters. What was right. your path in particular? Cause I was doing a lot of research about you, but obviously a lot of that information isn't out there. Did you kind of have a, an idea of like, this is where I want to go and my, this is where I want to end up or you just worked hard and, and it just came for you. That's a good question there. Uh, I think Brett, Yes. Yes. Woo. I took a, I took a shot there. All right. (laughs) I think, uh, the goal, but that's just showbiz in a nutshell. It never goes the way you think. It's always this different path. Like Gaffigan always has a story. He's like, I'm going to be the next to tell. And, and Geraldo is going to be the next Regan. And they completely flipped, you know, Gaffigan went clean and Geraldo went filthy and drugs and booze and all that. So you can never predict where it's going to go, where it's going to take you. I mean, how many people, tried stand up and then they did one TikTok and that blew up. So now they don't even do stand up anymore. They're just going, you just got to keep going towards where the, uh, the air is, you know? So, uh, I think for me it was, Hey, I'll do some late nights. I'll get discovered. Maybe I'll have a sitcom. Then I'll put out stand up. I'll be Seinfeld. I'll be Ray Romano, you know, that whole thing. And then you realize no one cares about you. You're old news. You're not going to get a sitcom. Those days are over. So, it was just like, screw it. The only thing I'm good at is stand-up. I'm just going to go all the way in on that. Maybe I'll start a podcast. Now I'll start another podcast. And then you just kind of got to keep going. And whatever's working, just keep doing that. But also keep it in line with what your in, with your integrity. Don't just do something. Don't go do just America's do Got Talent or Dance with the Stars or Naked and Afraid because you're trying to get a, a click. <laughs> you know, you got to also stay in line with what you believe in. So, uh, yeah. Very- Oh, wow. I love that. That I think you're one of the first celebrities, comedians that I've ever like celebrity heard. Well, I know you don't like Winkler. (laughs) Okay. Um, Like the first person that I've had, maybe a couple 
who've actually said that like you can't just like because it just do anything just to do it like maybe go on agt or i know you were sort of involved with last comic standing in the early days um, yeah a little Hated bit it. um and that sort of thing i think maybe and let me know your thoughts like when you do go do something like that like agt obviously yeah. it it almost kind of gives that person perhaps maybe a leg up but sure maybe they lose out a little bit on some of the other things jerry seinfeld said you know yeah you've made it to showbiz no you made it that night maybe the next night you might not do so great yep because there's a lot of people who have won that show that you don't ever hear from but then yeah. people who didn't win it like somebody maybe like taylor tomlinson or amy schumer or some of these folks and they just blew up so good point i think it all comes down to just hard work and really being honest about what it is that you want to do and not just you know <laughs> naked and afraid that's funny <laughs> i i completely agree and people think they'll get on that and it'll change their life and maybe it will but you have to still Stay produce and, and still keep developing yeah so uh that that actually hurts a lot of i know a lot of people got a lot of that stuff early and they've just fizzled whereas some friends of mine and me have just been fist fighting our way through this jungle and uh i feel like we'll get to the other side whereas they they got far quicker but i don't know where they are now yeah that's that's a very valid point because again it's great because you know when you get on that stage i mean people who probably have never heard of you will at least know who you are but that doesn't guarantee anything you know as far as like i think the thing that i found the most appealing about last comic standing was it was just all comedians you know it wasn't a comedian and then like a dog act or a singer so the competitiveness was limited to just comics alonzo bowden said that he goes it was just comedians it was just mm. us grinding it out trying to get you know that to that next level but yeah it's yeah. interesting some of these people you know you read their bios on instagram or whatever and you're like okay you were on this show but like what are you doing now it's it, you have to stay relevant and if you can't yes. do that and work hard people are going to forget you the next time another you know show comes on the air and there's a new person the next whoever yeah. or the next whoever exactly i mean look if if any of those shows it's so hard to be a comic and make it and make make a living so if you get on those shows godspeed praise allah but those shows even last comic which i did they're so twisted there's no reality there's no right. rhyme or reason like they would keep you in a van and we were sitting in a van with like 12 comics squished in a van we're like what is going on it's hot and then you realize, oh, they're trying to get us agitated. And then we fight. Wow. And now they got drama. And I mean, they told us early. We were in the, the green room, all 50 of us in the beginning. They're like, hey, we're just going to let you know we're skewing urban this year. We're, we're looking for non-whites. We're like, all right, great. And then uh, <laughs> the judges are a bunch of hacks, you know, like Keenan Ivory Wayne. What the hell does he know about stand-up? Yeah. And they're gonna the audience doesn't know. They're busting off the street. They don't even care about stand-up. They just want a free cookie and a Capri Sun. So, yeah, the whole thing is cuckoo bananas. And I have friends who are killers, but they didn't make it through. Then these weird hacks made it through who are like six months into comedy. So the whole thing is is topsy-turvy. And it has no 
it's no justice to what actual comedy is. The only part was uh, Norm Macdonald hosted one of them, and he yeah. was actually honest, and everybody thought he was the worst host, but he, the comics were like, he's the most normal, <laughs> honest one. Yeah, he said something funny. He This one comic, she did a she basically did she basically did a really bad impression of a black person yeah and he keenan ivory wayne's like why don't you he, she said ambulance or something i don't know just kind mm. of like a dig and he's like if you're gonna do the kind of jokes just do it don't like hide it because that doesn't make it mm. any funnier and then norm mcdonald was like well i think you're funny, but you would be funnier if you had other people writing for you. Like if you were on a sitcom or right. something like that. So maybe right. you should just pursue television and not do stand up. And she was arguing with him. And he's like, ah. no, really, you're not funny like this. You need to just be you need to have somebody writing for you. That's great. It's interesting, like Howie Mandel, he even would say. Like he does stand up, but he has people write for him. Like he doesn't write yeah, his own material. Of course, a lot of people and, do. And he realizes that, but obviously he makes it his own because the writing process is very challenging and it doesn't, you know, you've got it. There's so many things that go into it, but very interesting point about that because, you know, you well, were on what season one or season two? I it was think like the two very or beginning. Three. That was yeah, like, yeah. And I think like, um, Josh Blue or I don't know. So it was oh, yeah. Very, very early on back when um, I can't think of his name offhand. Um, the John actor. Heffron, Doug. Uh, no. Uh, what was Yeah. Um, Eliza Moore, Back when Jay Moore was, Jay like, Moore. So was very involved. So I think he was one of the people who kind of got that whole thing going. But that's um, another tough thing about stand-up is yeah. there's so many whack jobs who do this gig because they're like, oh, I can just speak into a microphone and people have to quietly listen. Sign no. me up. But they're all narcissists and lunatics and crazy people. I mean, like hobos will sign up for open mic just because they're like, oh, fuck it. So, Free drinks. Yeah. So like these guys, a lot of them aren't getting laughs, but they still think they're amazing. So they'll blame all these other things factors on why they haven't made it like it's because i'm this it's because i'm that no one likes me I, i'm funnier than everybody in the room so they, they don't book me i'm like you're you're unfunny you're not talented you're horrible you never work at it you never get up you have no awareness you bomb constantly yeah and you still think you're great and that's why when norm would say something like that that person whoever you were describing is probably a horrible comic but they'll never know it because you can't just go up and tell somebody that it's like telling somebody like hey you're ugly you know so like right. he's basically saying that and we're all like jerking off in the corner going, oh, my God, I wanted to say that. But <laughs> but that's he's the judge and he's kind of he's that's what he's supposed to. He's like the Simon Cowell, I guess. And yeah. people and can't take it instead of going, maybe I'm not. They just go, ah, you're mean. Like, yeah, no, but maybe you're not. Yeah, it's interesting. It just brings to light other thoughts about that, because it's like you're not funny. And I I couldn't that's do okay. I couldn't do what you do just because of the fact that like there's just so much that goes into it and it's like you have to be able to handle the bombing and you have to be okay with not getting laughs and you have to be yes. okay with the very high level of criticism when you are doing the clubs and performing or maybe you have an opener or a middler do they ever come to you and ask you for any kind of advice or do you ever kind of 
help them out? Or are you just kind of like you there, you do your thing, you know, and just kind of move along and focus on what you're doing? You talk about newer, newer comics. Newer comics, yeah. Let's say yeah. you're performing at a club this weekend here in San Francisco, and you've got sure. a middler that's local and an opener, you know, and yep, they're all yep. from the Bay Area. Obviously, you have vetted them, the club's vetted them. Do they yep. ever come to you for advice? Uh yeah, I guess I've gotten a lot of lot of like, you want to get coffee and uh can you watch my tape and tell me what okay. you think and can I pick your brain? A lot of that stuff, which I got to tell you, it's all a waste of time. You should be writing in that time. You're messaging me. You should be sitting down, writing a joke or working on a joke or trying to get on an open mic. What right. the hell am I going to tell you? Anything I'm going to tell you is going to buy is going to annoy you. Sure. So it's pointless. <laughs> you're like, Oh, any, how do I get an agent? I did this, uh, thing at Gotham comedy club. They had me sit in on stage on a panel and oh, they had a boy. full crowd of like finance guys and single moms and all these people. And they're like, one by one, I just shot down dream after dream. You know, it was like, hey, uh, I have two dogs, so I can't really get out at night, but I know I have to get on stage. What, what's the best way to start making money quick? I'm like, you're Nothing. already out. Yeah, you're done. This <laughs> you is not for you. At, you lost me and I have two dogs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so wow, that's, that's it in a nutshell. If you want to do it, you'll do it. If you really care about it, you'll find a way to do it. You know, it's like, it's like getting laid. If you want to get laid, you'll, you'll, figure something out. You'll get on a dating app. You'll go to bars, whatever, but you're not going to go, well, I, uh, you know, I got I kids wish at I home. Could get laid. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, I don't really like going out, so I guess I'll never get laid. It's like, no, you got to make it work. So, uh, yeah, if you want to do comedy, you'll do it. And yeah, there's obstacles, there's obstacles for every single person. Everybody who's made it had obstacles. We missed weddings and funerals and birthdays, holidays, family shit, but they, Comedy is important to us, and you're apparently not it's not that important some, to them. Yeah, you're not going to get good at something by not doing it. Like, yeah, I get hit up all the time on instant messages and whatever because people want to know, well, how did you get Mark on your show, or how did you do this, and how did you do that? And the answer is the same every time. It's like hard work. I've been doing this for over three years. Yeah, I didn't just go after these people instantly because. I thought I could get them on. It's like, I've built trust. I've made the mistakes. There was another celebrity that said the same thing or another actor. He's like, I get instant messaged all the time. How do I go prepare for this audition? Or how do I get an agent? Or how do I do this? And he's like, I have nothing to offer you other than to just tell you to work hard. Because if you yeah. don't do that, and he you know, he's been in this business for 35, 40 years and he's still going out on auditions and has to sing for his supper. It's kind of like, have you ever seen Entourage? It's kind of sure. a stylized, you know, the Johnny drama trying yeah, to yeah. like do this stuff. It was Fred Stoller, like the get off the phone guy from Dumb and Dumber. Yeah, and he's I know. just kind of like, you know, I missed the comedy boom, but I still kept going and he still works hard. Yeah. It's like, just do it. You know, like Just how do, do I start it. out as an actress? I can't tell you that. I have no idea because the way I did it is not the way that it's going to work for you. I mean, it's totally, totally impossible for it to work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Just go out and do it and get better at it. Keep getting better. It's like going to the gym. Yeah. You, you want to just go once, but it's gonna only, it only has results after many, many, many reps. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you're not going to lose 20 pounds by 
thinking about it. You know, yeah, you, you just have to do it. And it's like that. If you want to date somebody, get laid, get on a dating app. It's like a mental. Exactly. Thing. You got to, you know, I don't want to say will it, but really, like if you're thinking that way and you're going after it in that way, then it's probably going to happen because otherwise, you know, people are just not going to make it. Well, I, I want to talk totally. about your podcast because you do it with you have a few of them, but one of them is the one that you do with Joe List. Oh, yeah. Um, and uh, I had his wife on last year. Ah, Sarah was I love great. Sarah. And she, yeah, she shared a lot of the same kind of similar stories. In fact, she was on last comic and she's like that, like literally almost ruined my career. <laughs> because, oh, really? Yeah. She said it was because she was still battling with alcoholism at the time and just a lot of issues. And yeah, like she she would never come to tapings, you know, uh, intoxicated or whatever. But she was like, that's all I could think about. And it just like literally almost killed her. Um, and now this is where she's really starting to experience the success. Um, yeah. But uh, super awesome comedian. She's Joe List's She's great. wife. Let's talk about your podcast and uh, Tuesdays with Stories, which is I love the the play on words. Hey, yeah, it just uh, it's a crazy pod. My pal Joe List came up with it and it was supposed to be a pod because comedians hanging out is like one of the best parts of the gig. Just talk yes. with comedians, bullshitting, joking. And we used to sit at a diner with like five of us telling stories till four in the morning, you know. And he's like, this should be a podcast. This, you, if you captured this, it would really be something. So he kind of brought me on board as the co-host. And we we tried it. With the first episode, we had four guys. Second episode, we had four, five, three guys, whatever it was. And it just, it didn't work with scheduling and everybody's talking over each other on microphones yeah. and it, it just couldn't be recreated. So eventually we couldn't schedule everybody. So it would just be me and him and then be me and him again. And then me and him again. And <laughs> You're like, then, hey. yeah, it just worked out and we built the rapport and we built the language. And after doing it so many times, you start to gel almost like a jazz band, you know, like a, like a drum kit and a guitar, just kind of, we figured out our rhythm. And then, then we'd have guests on after that, and people would go, the rhythm's off. You're ruining the whole banter. Go go back to just you two. So now we never have a guest. <laughs> and we've, we've made our own phrases and queefs and topsy-turvies and uh, what's the clinker and a uh, bag of hammers, all this stuff. So, yeah, it's uh, just turned into this whole thing, and we're, now we're, we've been doing it eight years, and we're finally getting some, some, some steam off of it. So, uh it's cooking and yeah. it's fun to do. Yeah. Joe's hilarious. And that's the thing. You just said it right there. Eight years you've been doing it. Yeah. And you yeah. even self-admittedly said we're just now starting to get, it's like you can't get into this and expect to be the next Joe Rogan or Adam Carolla because it's just not going to happen. Like as amazingly yeah. talented as those guys are. I mean, Joe has a 30 plus career, your career. Yes. Long before yes. He even started podcasting and he even said in an episode, he's like, for the first 100 episodes, it's like people didn't realize, you know, just because I was doing comedy and I had a TV show, like it wasn't an instant thing of like people just wanting to like, you know, oh, let's listen to the Joe Rogan experience. It was like him in a tiny little room with some little yep. microphones, yep. you know, he didn't have this crazy studio and yep. people flying out to Texas to come like you just did recently, you know, to come be on his show. It's like, let's slow down a little bit. So 
One last question here, my friend. If there was anything looking back on your career, you know, all the things that you've accomplished, and we've talked about a lot of things, but would you have done anything differently? It's kind of existential, but or would you have just kept everything the same and it worked out the way that mm. it was supposed to? That's a great boy. You got great questions, Brett. I'm I'm impressed. Thank you. Would I have done anything differently? I don't know. I mean, I did a lot of stuff. I maybe I would have done started a podcast earlier. Sure. Because I didn't. I was dumb. I didn't realize that was going to be the next thing. Like right. these podcasts I don't think anybody are huge. Did. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't catch that. But uh, no, I mean, I had a. I. I think I went to, down a route. I wanted to go out. Anything I would. I would probably drink less. I would <laughs> probably do less drugs. That's a great question. I might have, Colin Quinn always said he wished, because he's had so many drunk nights and all these crazy stories, sure. he wished he had written them all down when they were fresh, and he, now he <laughs> would have all this material. And I totally get that. Like, I wish I wish I had filmed more of my life before. Now I got a video guy everywhere, I'm, I'm shooting everything, and right. I'm making a ton of content. And I kind of wish I had done that early. Now I'd have all this footage of, of stuff from the early days, the grinding, the running around in the trenches, bombing, getting blackout drunk to deal with the sadness, being poor. It'd be great to have footage of that. So I wish I had some of that footage around. But uh, also, I did a special for Comedy Central. I did an hour special. And I wasn't, I wasn't crazy about the venue I chose. And that's a whole nother thing. But there's always going to be regrets. But you only learn by fucking up. So sometimes it's good to fuck up. Yeah, I think that's the best advice on anything, especially people listening who want to do creative things or maybe be a comedian or whatever. You just have to keep going. But you know what? I mean, the future is bright. You've already done so many things and that's great. You're documenting it all. And uh, it's exciting to see what is next. I know you've got all the podcasting. You're touring again. Oh, yeah. Uh, life is back to normal. I did want to ask, did you do any of the Zoom stuff or drive-in shows like your... Oh, yeah. Uh, I did a lot life? of that. Okay. I, I hated every minute of it. Uh, the Zoom, the Zoom, I actually said, I'm not doing it unless they paid me some ridiculous amount of money. Yeah, but it was just... Most people it, said that. <laughs> it just wasn't the same. It's not comedy. It, it never worked. It rarely was good. I got booed a few times. A couple of people just like muted me. It was <laughs> <Wow>. bad. <laughs> yeah, it was bad. That's the and, worst form of heckling. I think getting muted. Yes. And I've done some hell gigs. Trust me. I've well, bombed I'm sure. I'm sure. many places, many nights, gotten <laughs> kicked off stage, gotten fired. So like I've been through hell, but at least you're in the room with the people. You know, it's weird bombing in your home, you know, and uh like staring like, this at the is computer. my house <laughs> yeah so like at least you got to go home after bomb you're already in your home when you zoom bomb you know so you're just <laughs> sitting in that bomb cloud while you're trying to watch tv but the outdoor stuff i did parking lots i did central park wow. i did all kind of roofs and fields and backyards all that shit so i just i just have to perform i gotta get up and uh yeah. i found a way and at the time that was the only way yeah, somebody compared it to like the methadone of doing drugs. Yes. It's like it was like we're doing it. You know, I think um, Ben Glebe and those guys, they did the Nowhere Comedy Club, you know. Yeah. Um, that was that big. Were, yeah, that was huge. Yeah. Both of those guys were on over the during kind of the middle endish of this thing. And, you know, I think one of them actually went out and bought a church somewhere and like is really developing this whole thing to kind of really make it as best as possible wow um uh 
yeah, again, the name escapes me. Um, in any case, it was all great. Thank God or whoever you want to thank that we're back to it. The sidewalk yeah. shows, the outdoor shows, the drive-ins, the uh, honking. I've heard yeah. some hilarious stories of trying to do comedy and uh, people are, they're not laughing, they're honking their horns, you know, or flashing yep. their lights. Yeah. And yep. Uh, it's great. Well, awesome. I'm glad things are going so well and things are rocking there in New York. Mark oh, Norman, yeah. thanks for joining me today. I appreciate it. Hey, Brett, you're a mensch. You're a good egg. Cool hat. Great frames. Thanks for having me. Praise Allah. That brings today's show to a close. Goodly do. Thanks for stopping by. If you enjoyed the episode, feel free to share it with a friend and subscribe. It's absolutely free. The views and opinions of the guests do not necessarily reflect those of the host. Autobots, roll out. Go home.